In just a moment, we will return with another exciting adventure featuring a guest star from the galaxy of super superheroes. Max Ray, brilliant sea operations commander. Welcome to Tucker Park Road. Although I think we should... My name is Arif. Here with John and Jason. Uh, guys, I think we should rename... I, th- I don't think that we should call it... Uh, this is just the height of laziness, guys. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. This is... Yeah. We are... It, it, no, there's no... Like, it's not like there's this fan base out there that, that like, we have to keep at Tucker Park Road because the fan base is like, we'll get confused. We are... 10 years removed from when we all did the podcast together. <laughs> is it, they, fuck, dude, has it been that long since the last, since yeah. we were last Sahara is, Sahar is 10. John oh. left when she was, I think, about two. Uh, I think, and, yeah, he yeah. left when he was about two. But we, we kept doing it for a little while on the radio, you and I. I know we kept doing it for a little while after yeah. John left, but either way, yeah. Um, okay. It's, I guess it's, it was, I, it's I been guess a while. It's been, it's been a while. <laughs> I guess it's been six years or around six years since we last like recorded together in person. Oh, in yeah. a bar, right? Yeah, bar. That's right. Yeah, yeah. How about we? What do we? What do we call it? Let's call it something sort of maritime. You know? but, uh, how about from away? You know, because like, because like I'm from away, but like you're the one who's from away. You know? No. We'll, we'll we'll think we'll think about it. <laughs> yeah, let's uh let's let's table that. Let's stew on this. No. I thought well, that was gonna be a slam dunk from away the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> Just uh pick something from a Stomp and Tom Connor song. Uh, um which one what hmm. Stomp and Tom Connors. The potato song? Pod, the potato song podcast yeah three um, potatoes in a barrel what did you say three potatoes in a barrel i like it let's do let's go with it three uh, potatoes in a barrel this doesn't make any put, sense and, it has and, no and, not no and, indication of what this is about it's just absurdist <laughs> and and potatoes instead of potatoes potatoes but how would you spell that potatoes P O P A T A. I guess maybe just inst- yeah, just T A at the end instead of T O E S T A S at the end. How about tits? The podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's got it's got a certain je ne sais quoi mm-hmm. to I, it. For I just sure. feel like we're not going to meet whatever their expectations are. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, probably not. John, you have someone else's living room as your backdrop what is the what is this backdrop that you have it's my uh i guess chic new york prison apartment um backdrop because <laughs> you notice it's concrete i see yeah it looks with, like a with little... patched with patch bits in the top yeah this looks like some sort of uh cell that maybe a uh a mob uh sniper would uh you would think that, that but Twenty five hundred dollars a month. So, 
<laughs> I mean, you wake it. It looks like the kind of thing where you would have a crucifix on the wall, and every day you would wake up and, you know. Listen, RF, of all the backdrops that I had, this is the one that you were going to tease me about the, the least, okay? Because the ones that I actually had for my, for my work and stuff were like these minimalist kind of apartments with like a little plant in the back. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't go on with that. I can't go on with that. RF will just, he'll never shut up about it. So I, I, think, I think you're okay with this. I am. I, I, I do like the sort of bleak nature of it uh, with the, sing, the solitary phone on the wall. That's the only, uh, <laughs> that's the only decoration. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hooked up directly to the mob boss's cell phone. That's the only, <laughs> it's the only call that you can take. <laughs> I'll do it. We, we have some nice decorative cushions here as well, so it kind of livens it up. <laughs> Beautiful. Um. Yeah, so I was just telling the fellas that I was that I've been in self isolation for uh, about a week now, or at least uh, yeah, I guess, it's not quarantine. What's it called? What's the other word for quarantine? What's the other thing for quarantine? Self isolation, right? I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but do they call you though? Like, do people check up on you? Yeah, every day they check up on me. Where are you going? What are you doing? I say, well, you know, I'm reading a Anne Applebaum book about the gulags. And it's quite interesting, you know. Uh, did you know that t- tattoo artistry started over there? So we're just looking to find out whether you've left the... No, I have not left the apartment at all. Um, so how are you doing for uh, for food and, and stuff like that? Well, <laughs> they, uh, the, the superstore delivers. So I just order my food online and it's always just you know some confused middle eastern person who you know always swaps up my blueberries for avocados and it's just topsy-turvy it's just like it's really it's just like getting a surprise grocery box what are you going to order what are you going to what do you want to give me what do you think i need you know the bacon is the they make they substitute the bacon for halal turkey you know it's like all right man fine uh, I ordered a, <laughs> I ordered a bunch of banana. I, I ordered a, you know, a thing of bananas and I put in one. And so when the order came, it was actually just one banana. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He just bought me one you were, banana. So, so you were like, you were like, I'm saving this. I'm saving. I'm going to, I'm going to treat myself in a couple of days. Are you, are you, really, are you really taking care of it? Are you like fanning it? <laughs> Making sure it gets just the right amount of light to ripen. It was so, it was so raw, dude. It was a green fucking banana that he bought me. <laughs> Couldn't even have it in my breakfast. And just it's just sitting there with my pile of sort of unripe avocados just for six days now. I will um, say, if you do if you do an online order and pick it up there, because um, we do that sometimes. Um, it's only marginally better. Uh, like it's not, it doesn't seem as bad as what you're describing, but you do end up with a lot of weird random items. And like, there's like, you can tell, and you can tell that they just like said, Oh, they didn't have chicken. We'll just throw a, you know, package of 
pork chops in there or whatever the fuck i don't know it, it, it is, it is strange to me that the, that the that the people doing the grocery stuff are the they're the least qualified yeah to, to shop it, it's just <laughs> sometimes they message me in the mid, in between the thing they said do you want this substitution i said no i don't want that as a substitution that just comes as a substitution anyway yeah, that happens to us too. They, yeah, yeah. They'll or they'll call. They'll even call us and say, you know, like, um, you know, oh, we, yeah, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have this. Do you want this? And we'll say, no, that's fine. Just if they don't have it, we just won't get anything. And then we'll, you get home and you end up having the substituted item. And, you know, it's, but it sounds a little worse. Like your experience of getting it delivered to your house sounds a little worse than when you go pick it up. It's not so bad when you go pick it up, but. And now they have to do this thing where they, they confirm the delivery. So they have to take a picture. So I have to stand there with my, (laughs) with my bags and this, just this, you know. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. I, I start just telling them just drop it. Just just leave it outside. I don't care if it gets wet. I'm not going to stand there with like cuz they do that with uh <laughs> yeah, like Amazon deliveries sometimes I know. They do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like I was like I, I want one guy actually asked me, "Do you want to be in the picture?" and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll use I'll use my phone and I'll send it to you. There we go. Social media. Just pull your dick out as well. <laughs> like, oh, what what kind of picture was this? What kind of photo shoot is this? I'm not trying to make a memory here. I just want <laughs> <laughs> you both together. Hey, buddy, remember the good old days? Yeah, one time I ordered. You know how mandarins they come in those bags, right? Like a whole pile of mandarins, and they said, you know, Ma- mandarins. Looked- That's interesting. The way you put the emphasis on that, mandarins. Well, you know, it's just I'm from the old country, you know, it's uh, proper English. Uh, we speak the Queen's English, you know, uh, down in London town there. And uh, so I asked for a pot and they and in the middle, they said, you want a substitution? I just thought that they were giving me a brand substitution. I said, whatever, just get me some oranges. And it come they brought. I'm not kidding you the equivalent of how many mandarins you would find, but in grapefruits. So fucking <laughs> 25 <laughs> grapefruits. <laughs> Respect, man. Uh, <laughs> I I almost like the amount of disdain that they have. They have like no respect at all. <laughs> like, Fuck you, idiot. Just eat whatever I give you. All right, man. This is this is just Soviet style. Fucking. <laughs> is this something? Is this something they started doing? Because I know they've done the like the online order thing for a while, but I know you always had to go there to pick it up. Is this something they've just started because of COVID? Like because of situations where people need to self isolate and quarantine and stuff like that. It's the it's I I imagine this was they were doing this before, but this it's this is the first time I I I started doing it, and you know I don't mind it. I don't you know the the act of just hitting you know plus on the on the uh, uh, on the computer is a whole lot easier than sitting over there and just idly looking at the broccoli, thinking should I be eating more broccoli or whatever. You know, we've been eating uh, healthier. 
since we've been getting both the delivery and the pickup. Because I feel like you don't have to go through like the aisles of candy and chips and everything to get to get what you want. So we're like, yeah. oh, that's a that's a nice photo of something green. We're supposed to eat green things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, let's get that. Yeah. But it, it's it's an accidental way of eating healthy, you know. Yeah, I mean, do you do do you guys find yourself uh, changing your habits at all? As of like, because of COVID, you mean like? But I don't know. In the past just, year, I mean, this has general. been a year of it. This is crazy. I mean, there's like babies born in in a yeah. quarantine. It's crazy. Um, I, uh, I guess probably. Yeah, I would say like John. I, probably like accidentally eating healthier i mean my eating habits were such trash that it's not a huge you know it's not a huge fucking uh it, it it's like if i started eating vegetables at all it it you know i'm obviously eating healthier now but um um but yeah i, I guess um i mean to be honest i'm i'm getting into a bad uh, I, I mean you know i'm <laughs> Um, mentally, I'm probably in a bit of a dark place right now, fellas. It's, I, I think I, I think there's a lot of, uh, uh, yeah, I think the, you know, the, the mental health problems are, are, are starting to get a little, a little out of, out of hand on me. So, well, I just did, uh, I just did three and a half hours of, uh, suicide prevention training, mandatory suicide prevention training today. Nice. So, I'm gonna let me practice this. I'm gonna tune in. Oh, I notice that Jason's feeling a little bit down. Now I'm gonna ask, are you feeling okay, Jason? Is there something that you'd like to talk about? Jason? Oh, oh come my on. God. Jason. Well, I mean I already, you know, I already start I uh, I I've been i I've been feeling a little bit down, fellas. With the uh Are you thinking about suicide? <laughs> no. But only yeah. after watching Lady Gaga's performance, because you know suicide is very serious. <laughs> is that really one of the? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. I just I just went through most of the. Uh, most I'm of thinking the of the Mash team. You know, for for all of a sudden. Suicide is painless. They actually um, they, they actually had a. Uh, I'll, I'll let you speak in a minute there, Jason. I just <laughs> <laughs> they, they actually <laughs> don't interrupt the suicidal person uh, they actually had a case study so imagine someone has broken up with their boyfriend or girlfriend is this a case where you should broach the issue of suicide like should you ask them and i'm like no that's like a low risk thing but there are some people that genuinely thought that was high risk really if someone expresses the fact that they just recently had a, a bad breakup, like, I mean, it's, I, I guess it makes sense to ask them about it, but I mean, I wouldn't jump from that to, oh, they're going to commit suicide. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it would depend, it, it would probably depend on the person to a certain extent. Like, I mean, if it's like a friend that, you know, has tried suicide in the past, you would obviously view it a little bit differently, but I mean, what if the friend had nothing going on for him, you know, and he's like, I broke up with my girlfriend. You thought about suicide recently? What? 
Should I, I just feel like I just feel like you're pushing them in that direction. Yeah, that's exactly. Right? You're like yeah. putting thoughts. Like, well, I mean, if it's a person that has nothing going on, I mean, obviously it'd be like you know, because maybe you should. Wait a minute. Have, have you have you thought about it? Because you know, it's you know. I mean, I, mean, I, don't, you know, I don't. I don't. I don't like you. I mean, I don't. No woman is ever going to love you ever. So you don't have I any mean, interesting hobbies. You know, it's it's like they say it's a permanent solution to temporary problems, but I feel confident that your problems are permanent. You will always be terrible, and you should you know just check out. So yeah, so that's why you know that's why they don't. Uh, that's why they don't have me working at the suicide hotline anymore. <laughs> Could you imagine Jason's <laughs> voice coming in through the through the hotline as you're like, "Oh, I don't, I don't." Well, I. What's the matter with you? How are you? How are you thinking about doing it? <laughs> I would, I would be curious. I, I can't. I, I, I think that would. That's what would happen. I'd be like, be like, what are you, what are you thinking of doing? Okay. Oh, no, that's pretty cool. Like, I watched this movie. It's like a, it's like an old Antonioni movie. It's like it's pretty cool. I mean, it's kind of set in the seventies, and you know, it's kind of different. But then you just hear the gun go off. Hello, hello. <laughs> we lost another one. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> So your, so your so your mental health has taken a hit with the uh, with the COVID. I'm always curious about that because I, mean, I, I think all of us have had that and some to some extent. But yeah, I don't even I don't I I think it's probably a combination of that and you know just hate my fucking job and it's getting it's just getting to a point where it's getting hard to tolerate and I don't know if it's I can't tell if it's the job is making the like living through COVID worse or the other way around. But either way, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's not, it's, you know, it's, Oh, I'll, I'll be fine. Um, I, 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 believe I, don't, you. I don't, I don't need any, uh, I don't need any suicide watch or anything, but um, yeah, but it's just, yeah, I, I'm finding it a bit, just go, it's going through a bit of a rough patch and it's the winter. I mean, that usually happens to me a little bit anyway in the winter. Like it, it's usually a, these things are usually a little bit harder to manage. I find in the winter too. So it, you know, it's, it'll be fine. How about you? Uh, how's your mental health? Uh, I don't know. I think I am not a good judge of that. I find I've been reading a lot, uh, uh, I don't know. I think I I I think the 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 Stoics have gotten a uh have have gotten a they're doing a reunion tour. I think the Stoics have after all of this time, and uh, uh, finished. I, I finished the Marcus Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. I'm sort of rereading um, Seneca, and the. Uh, uh, initially, the, the 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 all it's always the, the the problem with me was always the anger, you know, and for the Stoics it was always anger that was the worst quality, right? Like they always found that if you are angry, you've you've lost immediately. It's a, it's a strange thing that you know now people think that like Stoicism is such a 
it's like a masculine philosophy and and anger is associated with more associated with masculinity where mm. as the stoics always the, from everything that i've read is that they 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 considered it the worst emotion to have you know Ang- anger they yeah. considered anger the worst emotion there was a thing well you know seneca in this he says it you know and I, the moment right now is the the, the prevailing a uh, sentiment amongst many people now is is one of fear and the stoics always or like seneca linked fear with desire right and so he's like if you are able to curb your feel of uh, your feelings of desire the feelings of fear will go away uh as a, as a result you know and it's it, it, and a desire is always like a it's like an indulgence right like what is it what is what are the things that you are allowed which should you be allowed to indulge in and i am unclear about what is a good thing to desire and what is a bad thing to desire i mean i have a sense of those things right you know excessive drinking a lot of smoking um what about the bad stuff <laughs> uh, I'm with friends and family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's also sort of curbed as well, but yeah, I I don't know. And I always wonder whether or not or oh, this is the thought that came into my head is whether or not the, the stoics could also like what the stoics would have made of of uh you know like avant-garde people you know like what would they have made of those kinds of people because it's it's it seems like two separate things right what do you mean um well like could you be a stoic and be transgressive at the same time in your head you know because so much of like because i was watching this movie uh called liberty or liberté and it, it's this uh, J- Jason recommended it i think it's a guy it's a uh albert a, albert sarah sarah it's a very weird i mean for a movie like this to be released in 2020 is very bizarre <laughs> it was uh, it is pretty bizarre yeah uh it's it's set pre french revolution and literally the whole it's shot in real time and it's basically a bunch of libertines in the woods walking around just rubbing their genitals and fucking each other and it's just a uh, it's just wild right um it's not exactly you wouldn't exactly call it pornography because everything takes place sort of off camera kind of off camera you kind of see it in the shadows they're just all fucking in the bushes there you know there's one scene where there's a guy pissing on you know someone's pissing on a guy and I think there's something to do with shit in there somewhere and you know the part of me that sort of enjoys the 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 feeling that they filmed you know. it at fr- they filmed it over a weekend at Army Hammer's house. <laughs> Stop. 
<laughs> the I'm, I'm the army hammer jokes boys i'm telling you it's yeah. it's it's a it's a real fucking treasure the funny trove. thing about army hammer was he's like a super like before this happened it's a classic story of the male feminist you know yeah to- just... absolutely yeah yeah he was like he's he was so woke yeah he had to show himself to be so fucking woke i mean the the, the stereotype of the male feminist being being caught with some sort of weird text exchanges almost like those baptist ministers you know uh yeah railing against homosexuality yeah. being found in the bathroom you know on all fours yeah getting it in the ass and mouth um me, i don't i i i think i'm okay uh to answer your question john but i feel like i don't know other people would be the better judge of that than i am um yeah, uh, most of the time it's sort of the absurdity doesn't anger me anymore uh i i i find it funny now <laughs> i guess yeah you know, that's the true anger i mean itself the, has subsided yeah the, the humor helps yeah for sure like but that also like, feels like an indulgence right like is that am i just being indulgent here is it or is it well, you know what's it, the i i mean it's you know it, it's it's interesting cuz I, I think in the last four years of of Trump, um, you know, which I guess is ending today, is over now. Um, but I, I mean, I really do feel like that. There, there was almost this, you know, I, I do think to a certain extent I tried to deal. I mean, I don't live in the United States, so I'm sure that's part of what made it easier to deal with for me, but. You know, but I know even people in Canada, like people around the world, were just getting very um, emotionally riled up about him, right? And there was this feeling that to approach him with any amount of stoicism or any amount of, like, to not get emotionally outraged was a moral failing. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, that is, that is how it felt. Um, You know, I, I think like, certainly when you're talking about something like, you know, what went on at the Capitol building, even with that, I, I, I mean, I don't know what me getting outraged about it is actually going to do. I can acknowledge the fact that maybe there were people who were still trying to make excuses for Trump where you were may- maybe I can understand why people were getting upset at those people but I just think there still was this attitude for anyone who was trying to have any larger perspective on the event beyond just you know bad orange man uh, there was definitely a feeling that you were some moral degenerate for not shrieking and screaming about it you know yeah i think john had a good article in he put up from unheard i think recently about it because after after trump got banned you know you know there were a lot of people on sort of both sides who were saying you know well you know about time or whatever and one of the problems is that you you know in this article touch on is that you you're not is the assumption that the twitter and social media is a 
you know, people keep calling it, well, this is the new public square, this is the new public square. And as I, you either don't know what the old public square was, or you don't know what a public square actually is, you know, right. what, what the, what the grounds for a public square actually is. And secondly, what the repercussions of the, the thing are, are might, you know, what that event was on Jan 6 was not, I don't think we're going to find that out at least, you know, five, six, seven years down the line. We are, it's, this has just been, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, September 11th, you know, maybe the repercussions were of September 11th were what were what we saw when, you know, ISIS rolled into, rolled into Iraq, you know, and that was like, what, 10 years after the fact, 10, 12 years after the fact, right? Um, what about you, John? What do you think about all of this? What is, what, what is your mental state like? I keep thinking about my, uh, my grandfather, oddly enough, my late grandfather, you know, he went through world war II. He, he grew up in abject poverty. His father, who was the, so my great, great grandfather, my, his father was, uh, died when he was young. So he had to, you know, sell newspapers and shine shoes and do all those sorts of things in order to support his mother um, and the family, more or less. And I, I just keep thinking about the, the fact that he never complained about anything. You know, it did, it did, and, and he ended up as a consequence. He ended up, people started, thought, thought of him as a simple man because he just never got riled up about anything. If there was an obstacle, he's like, all right, well, tomorrow's a new day. And he just, he just move on. And, uh, but he also seemed genuinely happy. So I'm thinking about like, what is it, what is it that the people of that generation, many of the people of that generation had that we don't have. And I'm trying to bring a little bit of that into my life, but of course you can't do it the way they did it. The way, the way they, the way they did it was by just suffering most of their life so that when something good did come along, like a roof over their heads, you know, they were able to appreciate it. I can't do that. There's no way to, there's no way to go back and do that. So I'm trying to find ways to create struggle, I guess, to a certain extent, but also as cliche, but peace uh, in my life, you know, just like the, you know, like the tiny rituals, like one thing I've been trying, I'm trying to stick to is having a cup of tea, around 2.33 p.m. And, and really sticking to that, you know, no matter whatever it is that I'm doing, I put it down, I go make uh, a cup of tea. And I don't even particularly, I mean, I like tea, but it's, you know, I'm not as much of a tea drinker as a coffee drinker. But there's something about that ritual. Um, Heat the milk. Do you, do you have it black or do you have? I, 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 put, I put milk in it. I can't drink it black. Yeah. I tried because I, I try. I drink black coffee, right? I don't. I don't put anything in coffee. Can't do that so with I, tea. I don't. Let's figure. I'm gonna. I'm gonna drink black tea, but it was. Uh, it's tough. So I, I. I don't know. There's something to that. I think. Just pausing, forcing a forced stop. In the day. Yeah. So I don't know what that says about my mental health, but that's where I'm I know. No, it just. I don't. Yeah. I, I, I. I. You know, the fact that you have a tiny ritual means that that is a I, I would be i'd say that you're in a 
better one than most. You know that that yeah. the fact that when I asked you about your me- the, about your mental space, the thing that you go to is that cu- tiny cup of tea. The thing that you're and 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 I think most people when they like, well, what's your mental state like? I think they go, well, you know, it's the red zone, and you know, Blaine Higgs is an asshole, and oh my God, Trump, and you know. It's it's just constant. It's just noise constantly, right? Like it's as though they're at a punk show, and all they can hear is the feedback from the the speakers, and they can't even hear, you know, whatever's being played underneath it. Yeah. Well, and I think for me, I, I oddly enough, I think what you said probably just clarified something. For me, I do think a big part of my issue right now is is probably my job more than anything else. And it's that, that feeling that I can't get a minute's peace. I can't have a time when there isn't somebody, you know, calling me or texting me or asking me to log back in to take care of this or that. Like, I just can't, it's just all the time, you know? Um, And so the work-life balance is really off for me. And I think it's just throwing everything into disarray. Um, yeah, like, I, like I'm – so right now in looking for other jobs, like I'm really looking for something that's just the kind of – where I know it's going to be the kind of job you go to work, you work your eight hours or whatever it is, and you go home and that's it. Um, you know, I'm on salary and I work for a company that definitely doesn't mind taking advantage of that. So, mm-hmm. so I, I work, you know, I work pretty, a lot of really long days. Um, it's just like a lot you know, a lot of expectation. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of it for me is just, is the job. And this is the kind of job, like if it's a job you're passionate about or, or just you even, isn't any way interesting to you that's one thing but i mean this is a job i don't give a fuck about it you know like uh, just out of some sense of having a work ethic i guess i you know i know this is my job and this is what's expected so i do it but there's no joy in it there's no um yeah it just feels like a burden at this point so um, yeah, I think for me that probably, yeah, I think that's probably a big thing, but I've been trying, like, I, I've definitely been trying to set, you know, push back on it a little bit over the last couple of weeks, like starting to try to set more boundaries and like, you know, right now, like I've just, I just turned my phone off. I'm just like, I don't care if you, you know, need to get a hold of me while well, too bad. Jason, well, not to be a, not to interrupt you but i love when you like jason and i have this sort of uh weird uh online sort of relationship where we it's a sort of secret we carry it off in secret uh <laughs> from the from the eyes of he we this movie account that oh, yeah, jason yeah. has i uh i've started taking it to because you know for the longest time I I used to read movie reviews and I was like I I got to the point where over the last two years I realized I was like oh all of these movie reviewers are idiots right 
and it's the same kind of thing that happened with stand with with stand up as well right like it was like oh i can do better than this as like the and so i started writing these little one paragraph like every time i watched a movie i made it a ritual to as like all right i got to write i've got to write the one i can i can come up with a paragraph you well know? it's great too cuz they they limit you to 420 characters as well right so but so as much really horse shit that i write as much horse shit that i write and it's really just garbage uh jasons whenever he writes one it's always amazing and i don't I, i don't know why you don't write them i don't know one will view them but i th- i i i would love to read them i'm i'm telling you that i i i enjoy reading your than every like i read i watched this fucking antonioni movie you know jason just mentioned it and i just went and watched it you know and i was like oh this fucking you know, this fucking 68 radicals all of these fucking idiots you know Oh, capitalism is bad. Fuck you, Antonioni. Whatever you know, you know that was my, you know, that's the synopsis of my fucking horseshit review. And then you know, Jason came in and sort of commented. He's like, "Oh, you know, maybe you should think about it in this manner." I was like, "Yeah, I'm an idiot. You're probably right." <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just the well, I, but you have much more. What I'm saying is that you have a lot. It's interesting. You're a lot more erudite than you give yourself. You know a lot more. You write better than every any reviewer. I know you know more than any film reviewer I've ever read and you're a lot more generous than every any film reviewer that I've ever read so it's I always find it interesting so Well I think when I mean I think one of the things that I find interesting about watching movies especially with movies like that it, is it almost it is almost like this game not a game exactly but it's it's like a it's it's a way that i can sort of train myself to actually be more broad minded and more try to cuz i i'll admit like i saw that movie a while ago for the first time when i probably was more sympathetic to those politics anyway so i'm sure that's part of why when i rewatched it maybe i had an easier time not immediately coming down the way you did but there's no question as i'm watching it Uh, you know when i was rewatching it uh, there's aspects of it where i'm thinking uh, like what is what the fuck is this like what do you what do you what like the, it's it's real it yeah it's very much of that you're right like it's very much of that like 68 student radical kind of kind of stuff right uh, but i think in trying to say like okay like that's you know w- what's he really getting at though like he's not just talking about student radicals like what's what's the broader uh, you know and i don't even think it i don't like thinking about movies in terms of making points exactly no, no, no. but but what's the you know what's a broader idea that's interesting to me and the thing that i immediately latched onto was well this is really just about freedom what does like what yeah. it's about freedom what does freedom mean Yeah and, and I think my lens was a little bit like I came at it a little bit too you know anti woke anti sjw style and you know it's hard to see you know it's a strange thing to watch a thing of the past mm. and analyze it with the lens of what we know now currently Well that you opening know. scene though is pretty fucking crazy eh where he's 
I mean, the dialogue in that opening scene where they're yeah, in it's that right out of where they're in that studio, like some they're like planning their yeah, it's like a student. protest. It's, yeah, it's they're playing their protest, and and there's a scene where like the the black leaders start um, basically accusing the white people of of just. Um, uh, you know, the, I forget the exact language. Yeah, they're they like use, privilege. But, you're, you're, but, but they're privilege, talking yeah. about privilege, right? And it's yeah. that these they, they don't of, use the language of that, but they're yeah. But these are obviously the ideas. That. Yeah, so it's interesting. Deep, just in that level, it's interesting to see the way these ideas aren't really that different. Um, but, but yeah, for some reason, when I watched it the second time because i think the first time i watched it where i was more sympathetic to the ideas the ending where she's at the house and then she's looking at it and the house just like explodes and it's all very all, with pink floyd music on the soundtrack and it's all very uh yeah but it's all very, the symbols very, of consumer people yeah. in the 60s would have thought of as sort of yeah. consumerism and, and capitalism sort of all and, imploding yeah. and exploding, and, you know, a perfect and, house explodes, you know, and, and toys explode, and, you know. And, and I think the first time I saw it, I was just very, like, caught up with that. But I think on rewatching it, I was very caught up on this idea of like, oh, this is actually more to do with, like, imagination or like the power of imagination it's the idea that because in the movie like the that character isn't a radical and she's not uh you know to use their kind of terminology but she's not a square either right so the fact that she imagines this house blowing up and all this stuff exploding like that but then it cuts back and she seems oddly content and at peace and you realize this didn't really happen and was just in her mind i was just very struck by this idea that yeah it was more about imagination or having some sense of personal individual you know some kind of like individualism or yeah something Bitch went like crazy is what you're trying to say yeah she did um, she did how do you choose what to uh write a review for i'm trying to find a pattern here who me uh, uh in jason's reviews My, honestly it's very random i don't even know what makes me decide to write one it's usually just uh, a lot of it is even it's very basic where sometimes i'll be i'll just feel like i have something to say sometimes it's like i'll watch a movie and I'll feel like I want to say, write something about it, but I'm like, oh, I'm too tired. I'm not going to do that right now. And then I'll just forget. Like the reasons aren't that interesting. The strange thing is, is like, I feel all, always the initial feeling is like, I can't, what do I, this is useless. This is pointless. Why would I need to write this? And then it's all, I, I always write and I always feel better. If, 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 if I, yeah. if, and mine are horse, like mine are absolute trash. So I, you, if you write it, I, I'm telling you, I, I would love to read it. If even if I, no one else reads it, I would um, love to read it. But actually, that movie, I almost, I, 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 I just couldn't bring myself to watch it. But I, I, I plan on watching it. I, I wanted to watch that movie. I saw that you wrote about that uh, uh, show. What's it called with Carrie Mulligan? Oh. 
promising promising young woman promising young woman I, I when I it's read a revenge book. movie as told told from the eyes of an intersectional feminist, which is a very it's a, it's intersectional feminism told as in the genre of a revenge movie, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I always like what the question that came to me is like, it, it, what is has anyone ever delineated the difference between what a fantasy and a and and what is what pornography really is? Has have people ever ever because this is like a fantasy of what this is clearly a fantasy of what if of a, of a kind of intersectional feminism that sees the world in this manner, right? Do that you, all men are sort of really just secret rapists, and the and the woman right. has to be sacrificed onto the altar to bring them. Uh, to bring them to finally to well, justice. Which well, is, I remember. A movie. In a certain sense, it's quite you know it's quite transgressive you know to 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 state that, but it's also weird, right? The, here's the thing about like. But the, is it really transgressive? That's what. what is my is my question? It, my, is, the, it, I think the thing to the question is that as like is it really transgressive if the whole thing, if the 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 if by the end of the thing you're just like oh this was like this is the point you know if you've if the whole thing is constructed like an Aesop fable. Well, you know? I, I think for me, part of the idea of is it transgressive, I mean, to stick, the, there was an article that RF said. Yeah, by Laura Kipnis. Yeah, um, it's in Liberties. Um, about just about transgressive art and, and basically what, what's the place for transgressive art now. And I think she would probably argue this movie isn't transgressive and she would argue that it's not transgressive on the grounds that if the point of transgressive art, at least as she understands it, is to attack the bourgeoisie, like the kind of values and norms of, of you know, yeah, the kind of like bourgeois mainstream society. I mean, this is absolutely affirming the values of, of that society, you know, like a movie like Promising Young Woman, I mean, just based on the, um, and I'm not saying it's not good. I haven't seen it, but the idea that it's transgressive. I, I mean, watched it, it. It's no good. But yeah. I mean, is it is it is it really transgressive in that way? Well, I um, was watching it as like, okay, so this is so I, I listened to the interview of the the director, and she said that I wanted a feminist revenge movie, and I never watched it. So I'm thinking a feminist revenge movie. So I was thinking. I bet you, you know, Miss Forty Five is much better. I was thinking of like classic revenge movies. I was thinking, you know, Taken, Payback, um, what's his name, uh, the John Borman one, the Point, Point Blank, Point Blank. You know, those three I would say are classic, Unforgiven, classic revenge movie. You know, uh, it's a classic of the genre. Now, I don't know. Like, because maybe, you know, according to the ideology, I'm so steeped in it that I don't see the sort of toxic masculine elements of, say, you know, payback or taken, you know, that cloud me. So if, so from the other side, if you were sort of steeped or immersed within, you know, intersect, like if you were swimming in the intersectional feminist pool, Mm-hmm. Whether you would be like, well, this is the water that I'm swimming in. Obviously, yeah, this is a perfectly, you know, transgressive film or this is an avant-garde film because I have never had myself 
or at least my experience addressed ever in this manner. But I mean, you know, I watched Taken or Undertake, you know, The Unforgiven, and at no point did, did I was like, well, this is, I want my experience as an Indian, you know, pimply Indian, short, big-eared, uh, half-retard. <laughs> like, I want my experience. I'm William Money. Like, at no point did I ever right. think that I was that person so is this movie i get the impression like um because like the, some of the ones you mentioned like point blank i mean i would say payback's a pretty straightforward revenge like we're supposed to revel in his revenge taken as well um but like unforgiven and point blank these are more i well, guess those two are d- a little those, bit more they're, ambiguous they're, they're, they're right? d- yeah, yeah they're they're, yeah, they're a little more ambiguous, or or um, even if you want to say Mystic River, right? Mystic like River, yeah, yeah. But do you think uh, is this meant to be ambiguous, or is it meant to? Oh be, no, it's not ambiguous. We're, we're we're meant to revel in her, yeah, in her vengeance. Okay, right, and you know, well, one movie it, that it, it is funny though, but there's one movie that I know you and I both liked. What well, was a miniseries? And we both thought it was pretty batshit in its own way, but it was um, Top of the Lake, China Girl. Yeah. Um, and even Top of the Lake, the first season of it, you know, it, it's it's delving into that arena a little bit. The, like, uh, yeah. the kind of crazed, um, you know, all men are evil kind of thing. Yeah, but the Jane to- Campion. But the thing is that Jane Campion of- is a little bit more... Yeah. Well, well, I think because it's Jane Campion and she's probably just maybe a little more, you know, maybe it is just a question of skill. But, but, but I think for me, the thing about I found Top of the Lake China Girl interesting that like I could see the ways in which it, it was, it played as, I mean, watching that, I almost would say it's akin to watching current Spike Lee movies where I think it's just a situation where uh, I don't think this is that different than other films Jane Campion has made and other, like I think the ideas within it are pretty par for the course for Jane Campion. And I don't mean that as an insult, but just these are obviously the ideas that she's interested in. Um, But I, I think it's just the times have caught up with her ideas or however you want to word it, but her ideas aren't that revolutionary anymore. And she's trying to pretend that they still are. And I think with Spike Lee, there's something similar going on where they can acknowledge the fact that their ideas are the mainstream now these are mainstream ideas but they want to pretend that these ideas are actually more yeah like revolutionary or transgressive than they really are so i found it interesting watching their work like i still enjoy it and i still um you know i i still keep watching their new movies um but that does seem to be a problem that they can't quite overcome as artists. Yeah, I think, you know, we're all, I, I'm old enough 
to just have a certain kind of aversion to getting any sense that I'm being talked down to at all. Yeah. So that is, I think I've become, and as soon as I sort of sniff it, and maybe it's not even the, the intention, but the, I am suspicious of people talking down to me about things about the world they think they inhabit based on ideas that are, that I think are based on half truths, you know, Hmm. that's what I think of intersectional feminism, you know, so anyway, which is just to say, it's like, you know, I think at some point, you know, transgressive art or transgressive things weren't, were they always supposed to be my, my understanding of transgressive art was that they were against the idea of art being prescriptive. Here's the lesson yeah. that you have to learn. Oh yeah, no? they're def transgressive arts definitely against that. Yeah, absolutely. I I would agree with that. You know, yeah. you're, you're not the the, the, mo- the you know coming out of it there, with well the moral no of the story of yeah. yeah yeah you know. yeah. Like you know, like if I think of something uh, just to. I guess since I mentioned it, um, you know, uh, something like Ms. 45. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that there's a moral of the story there. You know, have you seen this? Ms. 45, Abel Ferrara. Um, it's a second, uh, second movie. Um, and it's about this woman who, um, who gets raped walking home from work and and she's mute like the character's actually mute and 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 this like you know understandably um traumatizes her and then to deal with the trauma she basically just goes around luring luring men and then murdering them and you know there's no I mean, he's clearly dealing with, I could see a person watching the movie and having a feminist read on it, but yeah, I mean, it it, it really has a feeling of somebody just saying, you know, fuck you to polite society and I'm just going to make this kind of crazy depraved you know movie um and uh you know it's it, but it's 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 very very good i i would uh, i would highly 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 recommend it but you know but that's a movie where i would watch it and i feel like it's yeah like there's no real uh yeah there's no moral to the story there's no um you know or or even think of something like um you know, taxi driver, which is, I think, you know, the ultimate kind of vigilante movie, really, um, or certainly the, you know, what I think a lot of people consider to be the, the the greatest, you know, or one of the great vigilante movies. And that's the same, you know, that movie is so open to interpretation of like, what does it even, like, what does it mean? I mean, people, 
I've read very interesting takes on this movie saying it it does glorify his violence. It does actually um, condone his actions. Very interesting takes saying the opposite that, you know, clearly this is critical. Clearly this is, um, you know, a critique of this way of thinking but i mean to hear schrader and scorsese tell it i don't think it's meant to be either it's just this you know this, this thing exists here it yeah, is yeah yeah like this character had these there were these feelings we had and we were able to express these feelings through the vessel of this guy yeah make that, of it what you will yeah yeah you know and i think tr- uh, you know transgressive art and I mean, it's not even transgressive, just art in general to me is always more interesting when that's the approach. Uh, when it's more concerned about, uh, yeah, like imparting some kind of wisdom or it just generally doesn't interest me. You know, I'm definitely of the Hitchcock mold. The What's that What's that say, thing he said about, he said, um, if, if you want a message, send a letter. Um, and uh, and he was very much, you know, against this. The like, the idea that, uh, you know, his films were supposed to have some deeper, you know, deeper meaning. To I like it. Orson Welles' take on that. He's like, I'm the bird, you be the ornithologist. When he asked about, when he was asked about like critique. Yeah. Of his films. Yeah. You know, and of course, there's a there's an aspect of of uh, disingenuousness on my part where I mean, obviously, I'm searching for meaning within these movies, like the fact that I watch them and I think about them, and sometimes, you know, once in a blue moon, I guess I write these little reviews of them, and you know, I mean, obviously, I'm looking for some kind of meaning, but I I don't want a prescribed. I don't want to feel like there's some prescribed meaning to a movie when I watch it, you know, like. Well, 10, 15 years down the line, I don't know whether it's just a consequence of the kind of, I don't know, didactic, sanctimonious sort of air that we live in Mm. where where these things, where where every, and you have to wonder whether or not, you know, at some level they might be right. Like, you know, you, I took a, you, you take a look at some of the pictures of some of the protesters at Capitol Hill and they were wearing like joke t-shirts, you know? Right. Like Camp Auschwitz or yeah, some yeah. guy, he took a shit in the toilet and then he put it on the, the smeared it on the walls and at some level, you would have imagined that this have in, you know, pinging around like the Reddit walls or on Facebook threads as a joke. Hey, man, I'm going to take a shit in the cap or I'm going to smear it everywhere and be like, ha, ha, ha. And then like the bit, the bit didn't stop. Right. Like they didn't know where the bit ended and real life began. Mm. Right. So clearly for a certain segment of the population that stuff does bleed through right uh like the fantasy life and the real 
mm. life and that real life becomes sort of cosplaying for the fantasy one you know and... king of comedy man <laughs> king, king of comedy, of comedy. Yeah. um so i wonder i i i guess so it's like i watched uh, that paul greengrass tom hanks western recently news of the world oh Uh-oh. yeah oh how was that i want i wanted to see it it's disappointing so you would expect paul greengrass you know born identity guy shaky camera with tom hanks and a western to be and of course you know the story apparently is sort of based on the true story that the searchers was based on right oh is that right oh yeah. okay oh i didn't know that so the search, that john wayne movie where he goes to find the girl who's with the comanche i think right yep right and is mm-hmm. is she's his he's the she's uncle his, she's his niece yeah yeah he's the uncle so it's kind of based on that but then i watch it now and of course it's set during reconstruction so ulysses s grant is the president you know uh yeah reconstruct the you know southern reconstruction is is you know in full effect and he's in the south and he's a ex confederate soldier so he's got a da- dark past and you know the story is like you know so, you know he's just got to bring this girl from one place to another you know she's got nobody she's with the command and now he takes her in and you know you read it you watch it now and perhaps maybe it's unfair to green grass uh now because like i read it now and i was like at one point tom hanks gets you know the peop the workers of a small mining town who are like all of the workers happen to just be black to stage a workers revolt against you know the town white supremacist sheriff you know just by reading them the news and inspiring them to you know revolt against the sheriff and uh you know every like the 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 politics of the present seem to bleed into this reading mm. of history in a strange way right that but mm. i don't know whether when someone was watching the searchers back in what is it i know that for sure when someone when people were like pauline kale i think when she watched the searchers she hated it right like she thought it was like whatever misogynist or some shit like that like racist or whatever racist yeah um Yeah maybe maybe it just hasn't gone away you know maybe maybe 10 years 10 years on people will be a little bit more or maybe i will be a little bit more forgiving to green grass uh well, for it but I, i i i was just hoping green grass in a fucking western i was just waiting for that you know there is a ni- there is a nice little nod if you can catch it to the searchers in there uh that's when you that's how you know that he's he, he's what he knows what he's doing um but i i'll admit i am surprised cuz even like you know when he does movies these i i mean i admit it like i didn't see his last one the one about the shooting in um norway the it was called like july 22nd or it, it was that there was like a shooting in was it norway where they yeah 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 Oh, yeah, you like, Anders Breivik? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, that 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 one, yeah. I never caught that movie, so I can't speak to that. But I mean United 93 mm-hmm. and Captain Phillips. Yeah. 
uh, which were both movies this made do- from very like ripped from the present kind of stories. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, f- I found them to be not overall very ideological. The signature distance in my, in my opinion seems gone. Yeah. That signature distance that I expected from him is because you don't like, you know, you don't get the sense that this, that, Tom Hanks is he's like a confederate he was a confederate general you know there's nothing really he's a, he's a little too heroic and it's like you're making Tom Hanks ob- obviously the most like you know no one can hate Tom Hanks you know you want yes you made him you've given him this past of a confederate general but there has to be a little bit more ambiguity, man. Like, I think you, you've you got to make it a little bit more challenging. Like, you can't make Tom Hanks the, just a shining example of a perfect hero. Like, they, need it, they need it to go the... Um, uh, which I think is one of the best Westerns in the last, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 years for sure is um, The Homesman, uh, Tommy Lee Jones. The Homesman? Film. No, I have not. Yeah, he, he directed it. And... Um, He's in it as well, but his character is a, is a civil war. Um, oh, def- oh, definitely, I'm going to watch uh, that. Ve- uh, civil war veteran, and and he's he's this kind of um, it. It basically takes place in this small town where the there's three women in the town who've just gone crazy because it's this kind of brutal, you know, existence that they have to endure and so these three women have gone crazy and hillary swank has to uh escort them you know back east um to like get care for them like to get them you know into a hospital or whatever and tommy lee jones is just this kind of like you know scoundrel um uh, you know criminal type that through circumstances where he's kind of forced into it, he helps her escort them. But his character is, yeah, he's a, he's much more ambiguous. Like he's not necessarily a heroic character and they don't. Already the Western is such a, like the Western right now, watching a Western right now is a, it's you're watching a fantasy, right? Hmm. So, Already, that it takes a level of, like, uh, a, a certain level of imagination to sort of picture yourself in what post Civil War America might have been like, right? It's 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 as fantastical as well. You're in the middle of the Shire, and the you know the the <laughs> fucking you know the, the yeah hundred hundred yeah you, man you gotta put the fucking ring in Sauron's ass or whatever <laughs> the fuck you have to do. Uh, so. The, that that was only... that was that was one of the uh, that was one of the early drafts of the of of the novel that Tolkien was like yeah you know what okay maybe yeah. we won't do that <laughs> so at some level you need I, I I think I look for a heather of a real person in there you know and mm-hmm. the that that is essentially that's that's exactly what I look for and then. When you see someone who's sort of so heroic, you you have to wonder, not 
about whether even if it's based on a like a historical person not whether or not that person was actually heroic but what the filmmaker is actually trying to sell me like what are you trying to sell me you know why do you need mm. me to believe this person was so perfect you know well the, I, um, I i i think the westerns i tend cuz i think i think the westerns have always done this at and i've heard a lot of people talk about this right over the years it's the idea that if you look at the westerns from any era they re- they do really reflect the you know the kind of attitudes of their time or the politics or you know different ideas because for the reason that you said because it's fantasy it's all fantasy and and the western is very amenable to that because the majority of westerns you have a you have a, a scenario where you know law there is no law there's no there's no structure in place for anyone to really fall back on so people are forced into these situations where they're making moral decisions essentially on their own right so it so what so the meaning of the films tend to be tied up in the directly tied to you know the actions of the character right like we talked that i know a few episodes back we had talked about high noon you know and that's like that's what high noon's about right like it's very directly tied in to the actions of the people like what it if it has a deeper meaning that's where the meaning lies i tend to prefer the westerns that are are more i guess psychological in that way like like um you know like anthony mann in the 50s has a lot of really good westerns like um like winchester 73 and the naked spur and um man of the west um man of the west quite a bit yeah and um you know these are more i i prefer these because these aren't i mean i'm sure maybe if you watch them in 19 maybe if you watch man of the west in 1958 there are certain overtones of politics you would pick up on i don't know but watching it now i mean it's it's just it's got nothing to do with politics you know it's it's about it's it's a it's just a morality it's a morality tale it's about somebody having to come to grips with his own or come to terms and deal with his own past and his own actions from that past and you know it's like i guess those are the ones that i personally tend to prefer but i i know a lot of the big a lot of the big guns have all that like the favorite westerns tend to have that kind of political import to them i guess or at least people like to read that into them i mean they can't i mean they, i imagine at some level they just make the thing that they feel that they need to make right so it's not his fault right like it, it, it's you can't so i'm at the end of there's this great passage in um in martin amos's book 
where I was very surprised to read this. He, uh, I was going to see what John thinks about this. His assessment of Christopher Hitchens is, at one point he says, uh, yes, Christopher Hitchens was a famous atheist, but people don't know this about him, but that his religion was politics, right? And he had no idea that his religion was that. And what do you what do you make of that? What do you guys what do you guys think of this this idea? I think uh, I think Martin needs to go back to the drawing board on why we create these categories and why we make distinctions between them. Because for too many people, religion bleeds into everything to a point where I think perhaps by their own design, it no longer exists as a, you know, as a, as a way of categorizing a belief system or an ideology. It's just all the same, you know. Uh, a priest scratches his balls. A, you know, a prostitute scratches their, their whatever they have. Um, so therefore prostitution is like is like religion i mean it's just you know obviously we're talking about a common humanity here and we engage in similar behaviors regardless of context so you're going to find parallels between someone who's part of a a sports team and someone who's in the military that doesn't mean being a soccer player is the same as being a soldier and I feel like that's what people are doing with religion increasingly because they're like, mm. okay, well, what are religious people known for? They're known for their enthusiasm. They're known for their doggedness. Um, they're known for their obsession. And so Hitchens was enthusiastic, dogmatic about things like freedom of expression, et cetera. So really, it's just politics. He's, they, you know, the game is the same. It's just where the game takes place that's different. And um, yeah, I, I don't agree with that. I think you have to. I think you have to ignore the last few hundred years of Western history and, and history elsewhere to really make that stick. But do you think? Because one thing that I've, I've, I think I've come to realize by you know listening to people like, like Jordan Peterson and, uh, you know, um, even um, Jonathan Haidt to a certain extent seems to have a bit of this as well. It, it's I think when people I think that it, there's two ways of looking at religion there's this very like there's the way that i think we look at it generally which is we look at it in regards to its actual history it's actual uh, you know what has it actually you know what are the bad outcomes that society has experienced due to religion and what are the massive benefits we've had from breaking free of religion um but i think that people who say things like this like i think when martin amos says his religion was um politics 
I, I think they see it just more as like a psychological phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way they're looking at it. Um, like I know Peterson, absolutely. That's the way he looks at religion. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's looking at it strictly in terms of it being a psychological phenomenon. And I'm not saying there isn't a place for that. And, uh, you know, maybe there's something there, but I think to discuss religion as a psychological phenomenon and then to attack people who critique religion. I I almost, in a weird way, I almost think that like Jordan Peterson, someone like Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris, as an example, are just fucking talking past each other. And if you listen to half of the fucking conversations they've had, I mean, that's clear. That's clearly the case. To John was at one of them. Oh, oh yeah, that's twice. right. I saw that's, twice. Yeah. How how were those? Battle. Um, yeah, it's it's mostly Sam Harris trying to figure out where the hell Jordan Peterson is coming from, and then explicitly asking him, "Where the hell are you coming from?" And Jordan Peterson seeming to answer the question, but not really. That's yeah. that's like that's half that's half the conversations. It's like what the, the twice I think Sam Harris asked him. Well, well, you know what? Are you a Christian? Do you believe in a Christian God? And Jordan Peterson's like, well, it's interesting that you ask that. And then he goes, <laughs> he goes and goes into a ten minute diatribe, and you can see Sam Harris like. <laughs> well, well, it's it's interesting that whenever I see Peterson. And I'm not even necessarily saying he's out, you know, it's, I don't know. I'm not even saying he's outmatched necessarily, but whenever I see him engage in a conversation with somebody who's very um, intellectually rigorous, that's usually how it goes. But when I see him engage in a conversation with say Matthew McConaughey, which, which is real boys, it's real. Look it up. He just. Yeah. Turned, he just I have a. Da- I have a. Da- I downloaded. I actually started oh, I, reading, reading uh, Matthew McConaughey's book. Uh, oh, okay. Green, green lights. So. Um, so, but it's like, I, 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 I don't know how fruitful the conversation really ends up being, but I can't all deny right, the fact that right, it's. All right. But I can't deny the fact that it's just like an entertaining interesting conversation because you could see from him talking with Matthew McConaughey that like, Oh, these guys are on the same fucking whacked out fucking wavelength. You know what I mean? You should should listen to uh, Matthew Matthew McConaughey and Tim Ferriss. It's, it's a fascinating interview because at one point Matthew McConaughey basically says that, his entire life started with some sort of cockamamie book about how to be the greatest salesman in the world. And it's, it's, he discusses looking for something to read because he didn't want to study for an exam. And he's like, Oh, well, there's a playboy magazine. Well, I like naked ladies. So I'll pick this up and rifle through it. Oh, I'm just, really bored right now this isn't this isn't doing anything for me and then he goes and he picks up another magazine and and he's like i don't know i'm not really interested in that and then there's this this small book on how to be like the the best salesman ever 
and he reads that and it says, okay, you, you have to, you have to follow this recipe. So he just decides that he's going to follow this recipe and then he's going to quit his uh, current academic career to be a lawyer and he's going to become an actor. And he calls his father that night and says, I'm going to become an actor. <laughs> it's a very bizarre, uh, I guess if you could call it like an origin story for a superhero, Matthew McConaughey is a superhero, but like just <laughs> rifling through Playboy magazines and then coming across this. That's well, the he's, path well, he's, for uh, actors, man. That's the path. That's how fucking bananas lunatic you have to be to just ho- to just haul up and just go head straight to Hollywood and be. Yeah, no, no. I read a salesman book. I'm gonna pretty much become an actor right well, now. And so many actors have that. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it was anything so specific that prompted it. But I mean, I know Brad Pitt was almost finished a journalism degree. I think um, he was like really close to finishing a journalism degree, and then aren't we all know, about ready to within, finish a journalism degree? Yeah, quite honestly, exactly. I mean, no matter but, what degree we're at. We might as well have just finished a journalism degree. What is a journalism? What do you learn in a journalism degree? I don't understand. What do you have to learn? I'll tell you, not not very fucking much, apparently, based on the dismal state of journalism. But um, sorry, but but I do, yeah, I do, I do think that's common. But in the in the interview with um, Jordan Peterson, he uh, he's he's talking about. He's like, you know, what prompted you to want to write this book? And he's like, well, I've, I've kept a journal every, you know, uh, I just, I carry them with me all the time and I've kept a journal for years and years, you know, what I'm like, you know, my whole life, basically I've always written in journals have, and I keep them. I just have this stack of journals. So, uh, and, and, and then I, I got this offer to write a book and I was going to use a ghostwriter and the ghostwriter fell through and my wife said, you know, we know what this means. This is a sign. This means that you, you know, you have to write the book. You have to do it. So I, so I went off and I just want to keep, well, you guys keep in mind his, he's married with children. He has a wife and children. And so, and he's like, uh, and he's like, you know, so I, so what I did is I went off, I went off into the desert to be by myself and I took all my books with me and i was hanging out in the desert for 12 days like just fucking it like what are you talking about why are you doing all this but anyway and then he he's like he spent time in the desert looking at his books and then that and then yeah, he, 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 call, he calls them his uh his winters and he's had many winters where he goes he goes his wife lets him i mean let's let, let, let let's just Let's make that clear. Oh yeah, his, yeah. his wife lets him. In fact, she's probably like, "Yes, get out, get yep. out the door. I don't want to see you for a month." And he just, all right, all right, all right. He just he disappears. Just he disappears for a period of time in some part of the world. Yeah, in a grimy hotel or a desert or whatever, and play, and he and he sorts his shit out there. That's where he sorts his shit out. Yeah. But I, I don't do, know what shit he has to sort out. But he's he's got to sort it out. But that, I do. But that's I, the good I, part about having like a traditional Mexican wife. Just keeps her mouth shut. <laughs> no intersectional feminism. She's like, yes, 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 Mister McConaughey. Yes, okay. Yeah, that's how she speaks. Abuela. Yes, Mister. 
But going back to your point, <laughs> the, 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 the artist making me uncomfortable. <laughs> going back, go, going back, going back to your point. Yeah, I mean they're they're on a same wavelength. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it, and it's just it's funny like listening to them talk, like the way the conversation just so easily and naturally flows, and the way they just pick up on each other's like crazy. Did they finish each other's sentences? That they did like uh, like you know. The fucking the, the Disney movie, you know, with the right. with the noodle with the pasta. You have to kiss I'm, just, well, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to imagine you. Lady, if if lady, if Jordan lady. Peterson was actually Matthew McConaughey, like if this. <laughs> all right, all right, in, all right. In, if instead of a Canadian professor from the University of Toronto, like if it, it was if that if Matthew McConaughey was actually the driver of this entire movement, it'd be so interesting because that that guy could start a cult instantly oh yeah man instantly. matthew mcconaughey instantly. for sure oh, yeah yeah, yeah. pinocchio he found geppetto and geppetto said to him i stay older and the girl said same age and that's when he found jesus that's uh <laughs> that's how you put matthew mcconaughey and uh jordan peterson together that's all right okay keep on going guys that's the best I could come up with. Is he sounds like Mickey Mouse. No, woohoo. <laughs> woohoo, Matthew. All right. Um, <laughs> I apologize. But yes, they are. Um, but I mean, I think Peterson has. Uh, he He's managed to grab onto um, uh, this kind of woo woo wavelength. Uh, about masculinity that uh, you know that's clearly there was a mar- there, 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 there was a space for right yeah yeah absolutely it's very bizarre his writing is uh, uh, tedious is what I oh. would say oh yes yes I I started reading that book 20 Rules I just gave it back I read about I read the first four or five rules i forget how far you know who in he that reads was like he reads like this guy um what was the hero's journey guy in it what's it alexander joseph, campbell joseph, joseph, joseph campbell that's who he reads like that's what it reminds me of actually i started it's like reading, he's more who he's modeled his writing after i yeah i heard about this you know you know who i'm sure he i read a book that i'm sure he's read and he must love all right I've, i'm in the midst of reading it um it's called um, the denial of death. Oh, shit, what's I try to think what the guy's uh, the author's name is. It's it's somebody who's James um, Patterson. <laughs> James Patterson. It's somebody that they're, um, but the ideas in the book uh, seem very Ernest Becker. Ernest Becker. That's it. Yeah. Um, and, well, and like like Peterson. He's very taken with um, young, like yeah. you know, with his oh. writing. Um, I thought you would say like young boys or something like that. No, no, well, probably. And, and, this, uh... and, pro- probably. But but they're very. Man, taken. his daughter is fucking smoking hot, dude. Wow. Oh, I've seen her. Uh, yeah. like carniv- what a like carnivore diet. Yeah, I will. I would like to give her a smooch on the lips consensually if she would have me. That would be pretty cool. And she's not, you know, she's not, she's no fucking, 
you know, she's not one of these intersectional fucking chicks. So, yeah. You know. Sorry, Jason. Go on. Anyway. Um, oh, just, yeah. But this book, as soon as I read it, or as soon as I started reading it within the first like 50 pages, I thought, man, Jordan Peterson must love this. This must be his favorite book that he's ever read. Um, like, and it'll be the, 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 basically the thesis of the book is just that, you know, all, all that ails humanity is, is this fear of death that we never deal with basically. Um, but, but he gets into these ideas about, you know, religion, like how religion was, um, like the book was written in 74. So by then, I mean, religion was already losing influence, you know, over the larger society, at least in the West. So he's talking about the way that, you know, for all of its problems, religion was something that, um, at least gave people comfort about the idea of death and now we don't have that so but but he also he does talk about this kind of the idea of being the hero of your own life and this it's just these very like jordan yeah the issue that jordan peters i'm surprised that sam harris doesn't even ever really want to talk about it but it's it's the it's the issue of purpose i think that whether intentionally or not it could be accidental Jordan Peterson has has hit on something, particularly for men, but I I don't think it's exclusive to men, that people are really lacking, which is a sense of uh, purpose. Yeah, and 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 this this is backed up in the in the psychology literature on men who suffer from depression, anxiety, who have suicidal ideation. It's this lack of purpose. Like, do I have a reason for being here? beyond just you know whether it's pursuing wealth or sex or food or whatever it is like is there anything else to this and and the the argument in the you know some scholars have made is that one of the reasons why the suicide rates going back to suicide comes full circle one of the reasons why men um commit suicide more often than women is that we no longer have a structure set up for men to have an automatic on a silver platter kind of purpose. You know, our, our, our ancestors were the primary breadwinners. If they didn't go to work, um, if they didn't have a strong work ethic, if they didn't do what they were supposed to do, then everything collapsed. And on the, there's lots of negatives with that. Lots of stress and, you know, problems with alcohol and all that stuff but there's positives too and the, and the, the positives are like okay basically all i have to do to do well in life is provide for my family and i don't care what the job is as long as i'm able to provide for my family whether i'm a grocer or i work in an office job i'm done so then the rest of the time is freed up i can have my my barbecues i can watch the the sports on the tv or whatever and i can do that with a guiltless um conscience you know so the argument goes that now women don't need men they have their own careers they have the magic wand you know um 
the, the you know the vibrator is that a dildo? <laughs> you know they they have all they have all these outlets. Um, people are having children later, so you can't really hang your hat on that, especially if you're a guy in in, in his mid twenties. I mean, present company accepted because all of you made mistakes. But I mean, beyond you can that, hang your hat on a dildo though. That's one thing you can, can do. So. I think he fills, fills a void that l- pretty much literally no one else is filling. No that's, one that should be filling it. That, that's true. And, and I have heard, like, I, I, I remember when he was first becoming prominent. I remember seeing a podcast with Joe Rogan. And I don't remember who the guest was, but they were discussing Peterson. Actually, I want to say it was... Who, who's that comedian, Arif, who got, who, who got in, there were all these rape allegations against him over the summer and Brian oh. Callen, Brian Callen. Yeah. Um, I want to say it was Brian Callen. Oh, Delia, um, but Delia wasn't ever on Rogan, I don't think. Oh, okay. Was he? Was he? Yeah. Well, after the, after the whole stuff came out? I don't think. No, 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 no. No, before. Yeah. And I don't think Callen's been on since the stuff came out either. No. Um, but but this was like when Peterson was first um, getting you know get, gaining prominence, and you could tell like they had a hard time articulating it, but they kept talking about how he's doing something, he's talking about something that nobody else is talking about, and I think that's what they were responding to. Um, absolutely, yeah, I I think. I think you're right. And this in this book um that I'm reading now, yeah, I could see how at the time you know, in nineteen seventy four it may have it it may have filled that that, you know, filled a vacuum there as well. I mean this guy seems more a little more interesting to me than um Peterson or like his thoughts seem his ideas seem a little more well thought out even if I don't necessarily agree with everything that he's saying but it seems seems a little more rigorous but you know the Stoics would have would have scoffed at this idea of grand purpose and purpose in life they would say what do you mean what are you talking about purpose of life the purpose of life is to live it's in the question the answer is in the question you know it's in the day to day the right year, you know, the making of the cup of tea, you know, no, walking I mean, around. I, mean, I, I think the Stoics are right, but I mean, when you yeah. have this, um, you know, Judeo-Christian stuff that's colored our history so much in the West, interfacing with a a very, I mean, I'm not saying this like from a Marxist perspective, it just happens to be true, a very no, consumer, no, no. consumerist kind of yeah society how do you cross that distance between what people in the past used to have which was faith piety um structure and what we have now which is you know three thousand different versions of fabric softener (laughs) you know it's a weird it's a weird thing to put at opposite ends i get that but there's there's something going on there in that particular stew that creates a tremendous amount of anime you know what i mean and, and anxiety and stress well perhaps john it's like the thing that you had said you had started this off with i think the difference is that back then it's not 
those grand rituals that were the the focus it was the ability to make a sacrament out of just every small just the way in which you talked about making your cup of tea as being some sort of you know almost a religious endeavor or a, or a sacred ritual of yours mm-hmm. you know treating each and every task whether or not you liked it like there's some there's there's a part in seneca where he says where he he talks about you know think of something that you absolutely do not want to do today and then resolve to make an a, a complete sacrament out of that specific task and he talks about like taking out the garbage so imagine like taking out the garbage was a horrible task like all those hundreds of years ago you know and i think that you know with the like people forget i think what the they they miss the forest they they think about all of the religious rituals as you know meaning that people took comfort in the actual you know in the church in the bible but they think what was happening is that you could just make these like small everyday insignificant things important feel important you know like the opening of the book the opening of the hymn book and the kneeling and the you know the whatever the water and the you know molesting of the priest like be- beautiful important rituals that were done for hundreds of years you know that you could be part of right and perhaps that's the that's the lesson that we ought to take or, or maybe that's the maybe that's the thing that they like that those uh that the like that's what they mean when they say that the religion was a purpose you know it wasn't the religion itself it wasn't the grand narratives necessarily of religion but you know the focusing of the speci- of the, the insignificant things of well, I, I, think, I, think, I think what religion brought, though, is that like, okay, I have my cup of tea. I have that little ritual. You have a different ritual. Unless we create a community around ritual itself, just for the sake of ritual, we have no sense of community. We're with, with, with the Catholic Church, let's say. Everybody's doing the same ritual. Sure, sure. At the same time. So not only do you get your, 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 your momentary sacrament, you also get it. Re, you know sort of reified and reinforced by everyone else yeah. around you and and i think that's what that made it it's you know it's it's a it's it's taking something that's true and then turning it into a kind of a systemized um self-help system i think that's what religion ultimately does well and i think with and i think with people like peterson um you know, I, I, there's this idea that he has because his notions about religion are very bound up in, uh, you know, I don't know how much he actually knows about anthropology, but he's clearly also looking at it in like an almost anthropological sense where he's saying, you know, whether or not this stuff is true, it's obvious that people created it for a reason. The fact that these stories have lasted all these years must automatically mean that the stories themselves have value. And I just, to me, I just think, well, it'll, they have, of course they have value because people have placed value on them, but 
that doesn't mean that objectively like he's trying to make the leap that therefore objectively scientifically you can't deny the fact that these stories are actually what like it's possible that our society has developed to the point that it has in spite of the burden of religion instead of because of what religion brought to us but i think for people like peterson they they can't even entertain the notion it's just well no obviously you know religion has this inherent worth and value that's been great for mankind yeah in a way you, it's sort of the same problem with like you know critical race theorists are like well racism now is because of slavery well slavery equals racism right the original sin, right? Yeah. So it's the opposite of like original sin, right? Like it's kind of like the bizarro cousin of original sin. Like it's the original, the original blessing. All of the good thing, all of the bad mm. things happen because of this one thing, and all of the good things happen only because of this one thing. You know, it's like a, it's like the big, it's a sort of like the Big Bang theory of some sort. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, the sitcom. I'm, I mean, of course, the sitcom, <laughs> not the actual scientific. <laughs> All right, guys. Jay, John has got to go back to, you know, gunning down another mobster in the streets of New York City. Cause a race riot. Um, we will meet again. The Potato Boys. Is that what we were called? Let's, let's, let's think of some actual titles. The Potato Boys is the final Good. answer for the final Good podcast name. name. <laughs> think, think, think about who we are. Like, like if, we're, if we're the Three Stooges. We can't just call ourselves the Gay Men, okay? No, it's, no, but, we can't call if, the Gay Retard Podcast. It's not. But I mean, if, you, if you're Mo, okay, and I'm Larry, huh. and I don't know, like... We, Obviously. We, well, what, what are the archetypes? What are the archetypes that we got going on here? Maybe we can put something together. So Sim Sim Salabim, uh, you're sort of quirky from, you know, someone's got Down syndrome, and then you know, the other one. He's, wow, know, that's a metal reference. jacket. Uh, <laughs> private pile. Yeah, private pile. Uh, quirky and uh, Haji. <laughs> All right. That's a beautiful, beautiful Haji pile, and Haji pile and Corky, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, have a good night. Good we'll, night. we'll meet again. Ciao. Right. Later. Bye.